Are you stuck in your creative journey? Today, we talk to the incredibly unique solopreneur, Chris Kremitzos, the author of Startogle. Many talk about culture and community as it relates to their companies or events, but there are few people on the planet who have truly woven both of these key elements into their business like Chris has done with PodFest. Chris will inspire you to clear your path and start ugly today. What's up, Chris? How's it going, guys? Thank you for that intro. I love the the intro to your show. It's amazing. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Those things are fun to make. They really are. You know, it's exciting. It's exciting. Well, I can't believe that we have you. You're, you're fresh off Podfest Masterclass, right? Last week, and I always think to myself, after seeing you on the screen so many times during Podfest and the virtual stuff that you're doing and the Masterclass, I'm thinking to myself, do you just go to sleep for like four days after that thing, <laughs> or what? I did this weekend. I slept in the afternoons. <laughs> I, um, I. I'm fairly recovered, but yeah, it, it does take a lot out. Like what happens is you wake up still with adrenaline the next morning and then you pass out in the afternoon after you go, uh, as you know, the last stretch was a five day stretch and then you, you recover over a couple of days for sure. It's unbelievable. And so for those of you and you don't know yet what PodFest is, you cannot change your channel, go to another anything, because you're now talking to the person. If you've ever thought about doing a podcast, if you've ever thought about starting a YouTube channel, if you've ever thought about doing anything from a content creator standpoint, this is the man who can get your mind junk cleared if you, if you pick up this book called Start Ugly and really get you on your path and get all of that stuff past you because I think Chris, I've used a start ugly thing. I, I put this book behind me in my office. I, I do, you know, Zoom calls and everything like we all do. And and I put it behind me. And the one of the reasons why is that I'm always referring to it so I can just point to it. But also it's like this post-it note for ugly, it just shouts at people and they're like, does that say ugly behind you? So it's a nice little conversational thing as well. But and, and it looks like you actually put a sticky note on it, right? <laughs> yeah, my favorite story about the sticky note graphic was my friend, his, his mom saw the book on the table and she goes, why would you put a post-it note to deface your friend's book? And she got really upset with him and he couldn't stop laughing because she didn't realize it was part of the book cover. And she was admonishing her son, like, how could you do this to Chris's book? <laughs> we should start off by talking about this premise. Um, I'm very familiar with it. I use it all the time. And I know you used that it on me. Right. And if you if you say start ugly, a lot of people think like, well, just just go without doing anything. And that's not really what you're talking about. You're talking about doing it the right way and just clearing some stuff out of the way before doing it. So if you would just maybe unpack the uh, the start ugly premise. Yeah, so start ugly is very simple. It's not it's no matter how we all start at anything. Um if you look back on it you're like wow, that was a start ugly. Even if you had it buttoned up. So the premise is not start ugly stay ugly. It's start ugly and perfectly execute from the beginning. But most overachievers use the word perfectionism to get started. And most, um, not necessarily underachievers, but people that are afraid of getting started, uh, they'll say they're not ready yet. So you have those two extremes, but underlying both of those is fear. So it's the being afraid of what's on the other side of it. So Start Ugly just says, hey, do some research, put a timeline, announce that you're going to do something. 
and um, get started. And really, the cool part about the book is, uh, unlike most business books, it's a it's a parable. It's a short story about mm-hmm. someone experiencing that they're stuck, which is basically all of us at some point or another. And they have to find their start ugly moment. In that moment, it's a big crescendo uh, in the book. So it's a, it's a really interesting case study. Amazon has been very supportive of the book. We've sold quite a few copies. And it's uh, we purposely made it a 30. If you're a slow reader like myself, 45 minutes tops uh, read. And you feel accomplished. You, you understand the point. And I took the... We give podcasters this advice all the time. They ask us, how long should our podcast be? And we always say, as long as the content is good. So the book is 99 pages and most of it's graphics, uh, to be quite frank with you. There's a lot of graphics in it. Intentionally so. We designed the graphics to integrate with the words. So I'm a big fan of the physical copy because it's it's good to have around staring back at you. I Like I know you say you ha- I have mine. I carry mine wherever people think, oh, you're promoting your book. I go, no, 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 exactly what you said. And I say it all the time. I put it like right here. And when I when I give myself excuses why I can't get started, I'm like, okay, my advice. I'm the start ugly guy. I got to get started. And I always learn from starting because then you learn, oh, okay, I didn't know that I had to do these three things and you could get going. Thinking is um, the biggest time stealer that we all have. We think too much. Therefore, we don't get started enough. Yes. Perfectionism, like you said, is just a, it's a major crossroad for a lot of people, myself included. And of course, we all go back to that first time we got in front of a camera, we got in front of a mic and we're all, we're all cringing. You know what? No one else remembers that stuff. I like to go back and listen to that stuff because I like to feel good about how far that I've come. And I think it's important for people that helps with that perfectionism thing. Nobody remembers that time in high school when you embarrassed yourself and did whatever you did. It's really about living in in the now and getting things accomplished going forward. So it's a great story. And, and I like the the example you used too in the beginning of the book where where you have the, you know, basically the lumber company and how the evolution of of the guy forgetting where he had come from. And I think that's so, you know, so powerful that we always forget, like we, and even you have some examples later in the book of companies like Sears and Circuit City and how they, you know, they didn't adapt to change. I mean, heck, we could even talk about Blockbuster, you know, great companies that had a great idea, but they forget that we have to always be trying things by starting ugly. You know, loved how you, you, pointed all that stuff out and it really made a lot of sense. So let's tie in the Sears example to Amazon. This is like such a, you know, so I didn't use Blockbuster because we all know the case study. So I was like, let me pick some different ones. So when I did uh, research with Sears, they started in 1896, somewhere around there. And they were the first catalog company, or at least the first that would cater to people. And what they did was they catered to African-American households that wanted to buy really nice goods, uh, watches and different things, but they couldn't go into stores to buy them. Uh, so they were able to cater to uh, and, and be revolutionary in that African-American households could buy goods through the catalog. And then they were able to transition from a catalog company to a big box. They were the first big box retailer. I know a lot of people know Walmart, Kmart, but it was Sears was the first. But then they were also the first to do private labels, you know, uh, Die Hard Battery. Um, you go Craftsman Tools, like these things, Sears has pioneered from the beginning. And the craziest thing, I know we all know this, most of us know this anyways, in the 90s when Walmart beat Sears, that was the moment for Sears to go back and be an online catalog company and beat everybody. But unfortunately, they didn't have the vision. Uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon did. And all these big companies gave that territory over to Amazon 
And Amazon was focused on being a catalog company to everybody. And if you guys uh, recall, the case study with Amazon is very simple. Amazon chose books. And that was actually a very pivotal choice because at the time, books were something everybody searched. They were decentralized. Not every bookstore had every book. And it's something where um, Jeff could have created a centralized repository books. And if he didn't choose books, I don't know if Amazon would be here today. So that was a very crucial decision in the company's founding. Now we all know, uh, what people don't realize is they know Amazon as like, of course, they're the biggest company. No, they weren't. They were a little company mm-hmm. where, where a guy had a little, a lot of people have seen the picture of Jeff in a crappy little office with like Amazon almost spray painted on a sign behind him. And now they're this behemoth that just keeps growing. And it's because they haven't forgotten the start ugly philosophy And if anyone does, if I do a lot of stuff on Amazon, there's links that are still broken that they're fixing in real time. Amazon's the ultimate start ugly company. They're they're starting ugly across spectrums that most people have no clue about. So it's it's interesting to watch how quickly that philosophy has allowed them to become the largest corporation in the world. Yeah, I mean, and even some of the things they're doing now, and it started with, uh, you know, I can't say her name because she's in my room here, and what that's doing for voice, which when you think about podcasting is voice. And so now they're even putting podcasts in Amazon Music. And I think that is a major step. I mean, it goes back to, you know, hey, why not? We've already got all this data on people, we know what they like, things of that nature. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that, Chris? So I have a partner that's on the cutting edge of what we call ambient voice technology. And that's uh, what Alexa, Google, Mini, all that stuff is, Siri. My first thought is uh, poor Apple had the advantage. And like anything else, uh, Steve Jobs passed away. They shelved. Uh, Siri has not really improved since it came out. But uh, Bezos put it out, understood the vision, said, let's experiment. I have a friend that's one of the first 100 developers on Alexa. He actually created the official hurricane tracker for Alexa because we're in Florida. And he and I are are partnering up creating uh, ambient voice technologies for podcasters. So it's an area that I play around with quite a bit. Amazon is already a player, which is really surprising to me. I do know that Amazon's a big player. We all know Amazon's a player. But for Amazon's downloads to start, start showing up on people's players as quickly as it has, has really surprised me. I would think it would take maybe a couple of months, but it, uh, they're going to be very dominant very quickly, right. I believe, because I'm watching, I get to see, um, because of what I do, I get to see people's downloads a lot. And I always, I, you know, if I'm consulting, I want to see what's going on. And Amazon's registering uh, the way now, Spotify's registering almost across the board, depending on where you're at. But now Amazon's showing up overnight as one of the top download producers for these podcasters. So if that's what it's like right out the gate, uh, one of two things are, are I got to look at. One, it could be that these are the early adapters that got onto Amazon and there wasn't enough inventory just yet. I don't think that's the case. I think Amazon knows how to integrate things and over time they'll integrate it. Uh, however, I do think there's a first mover advantage always. And then um, ambient voice. So let's talk about these devices in our homes. Uh, what people don't realize is they're getting smarter every day. So I talk to my uh devices and I ask them questions and I gauge them. And were they pretty dumb six months or a year ago? Absolutely, comparatively. But as they uh, progress, they get smarter and they anticipate. Eventually, uh, Jim and Chris, these things will be prompting us before we prompt them. Mm -hmm. And then for podcasting, I don't see people listening to podcasts like in the house, unless it's a newsflash, weather. I just don't see us listening to like an hour because you're not going to listen to an episode. It's like, I, I could see music, but I can't see like 
we're going to listen to Joe Rogan together. And you got your little girls. Like I got two daughters, your wife's in the other room. Maybe she's not a fan of Rogan. She wants to listen to a meditation right. thing. So there's certain things that those things will be good at. However, mm-hmm. they're in, it's integrating now with our, like what you said with the podcast. So the question is, and you're asking the right question, how does that play out? Like what, what is that integration, that hybrid model look like? So one of the things we think is going to happen. So let's say the two of you have this cast on Alexa and I talked to her and I said, Hey, I want to see this exact show deal casters. But I also want to ask you guys a personal question that has nothing to do with the show, but it, it's your expertise. So I'll say, Alexa, can you send a question into Chris and Jim? I want to ask about the product, blah, 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 blah. You're then going to receive that question. So every day you're going to say, hey, any questions for us? And you're going to answer it to Alexa. And this is something we're developing. Uh So then that answer is cataloged for the next thousand questions that are the same. So you never have to answer it again. Now, that's level one. Level two is... If you guys become really, really famous and people are seeking you, which could happen, honestly, because of the way everything happens, uh, you could charge now for that um, for that premium service of asking the deal casters premium questions. So then you could charge a $5 Patreon fee, let's call it, or Alexa fee for me to then have direct communicado with you on a monthly basis. You might have a thousand people paying you. So that's where we see that evolving. That, to, to tell you any further than that, I don't know. I don't like predicting. Like when COVID happened, everybody predicted that we're going to go into a huge recession. That didn't happen. So like I always say, whatever people predict, I usually say the opposite is going to happen. Uh, People got hurt and all that. Yes, economically. But people are buying more stuff than they ever have. And obviously, Amazon's doing great. Some companies not. So you got to be careful in predictions. So right now, I can only see that far out. I don't know what that next frontier is because it might it, it all depends on human behavior but you know that that's actually a great uh, a great point and idea because a, as it is like if you think about chatbots a lot of chatbot stuff is about frequently asked questions that if you ask the bot it can answer it so that makes a heck of a lot of sense to allow this highly intelligent ai to be able to do the same thing for you and i think that's that's actually pretty exciting and you know i guess we're going to have to We'll be getting an invoice for this uh, for this advice you gave. So I think there's definitely things <laughs> we could do with that, Chris, on DealCast. There, there, there's a lot. Listen, the I don't think we'll be searching with our fingers pretty soon. So I do think it's going to be talking to the devices because think about how much more intuitive it's like. Hey, can can you get a hold of Chris and Jim, or can you ask them X Y Z? So then your bot, your voice bot, will answer me back in your voice. So we all know about deep fakes, but basically it just means that these robots could mimic our tone and our voice. So like I could see Gary V having Gary Vaynerchuk, who, if you don't know, he's a very famous entrepreneur, but I could see that um, I could see people paying for premium access to Gary and he gets probably asked thousands of questions. So he could funnel that into some kind of tribe. And then who knows, you know, maybe it's not a paywall. Maybe it's like, Hey, I'll let you into my tribe if you do these five things on social for me. But th- that's what's about to open up. And I don't, I'm, I'm getting on the forefront with my partner, Steve, on this. We're joint venturing and we're going to figure it out together. Um, we'll see. I don't, I think in three years, we'll have a more better picture. In the meantime, I think we're all going to be experimenting, trying to figure it out. Chris, any, um, any thoughts in general? I mean, I feel like casting the net wider for podcasts in general outside of the uh, the voice activation thing has got to be great for 
for the podcasting space? There's so many opportunities right now. You could have niche content. Uh, my wife has, uh, you saw it up there, the Women's Meditation uh, Network, and it's for women, meditations for women only. And then she has Sleep Meditation for Women, those two on the bottom there, yeah. So, uh, I mean, she just got this going today. We got approved, so I was so excited for her. The cool part about that is these are meditations, and all she did was cast a wide net, but saying, hey, it's only for women. So how cool of all the thousands of meditations, there's n- none that say we're for women only, which gave her a really leg up in, in her niche. It's a, it's right. a wide niche, but, um, you know, she gets, I, I don't want to give out her numbers, but a six figure download a month number. Like she gets a lot of women okay. all over the world downloading her meditations. That's awesome. Now, Chris, do you, um, do you use any of the specific devices from Amazon or are you using kind of all of them? Are you using like the, the Google home or, you kind of playing around with different ones? I use Google Home. I got to get Alexa situated. Um, I'm afraid I'll get addicted to it, to be quite frank with you. And I drive my wife nuts already with the Google Home minis. Um, but we buy we buy everything. So for PodFest, it's a conference. It's a physical conference. And now we have all these virtual platforms we just created. But for PodFest, on whatever day that is that Amazon's like, hey, we got our deals. Because it kind of I think it's on Monday, Cyber Monday or whatever. I'll buy like $10,000 worth of toys on that Monday for us to give away a PodFest. So people are always uh, they're like, how do you get so much, so many toys? I'm like, I buy them on Cyber Monday. I get them for like half price. I buy as many as I can. And uh, then we do two things. During that week, if you buy a ticket for PodFest, you get one of those toys. Like we actually ship it to you. And then the whatever's left over, which is literally like hundreds of toys. Um, like we've given like, I think we've given at least 200 Alexas out, at least, uh, and Echoes. Uh, we give those out like like the, like the water at our events. And then uh, during the live event, we'll have 200 prizes just from, from Amazon, from whatever we bought on Amazon. And then our sponsors will give us another three to 400 prizes. So then anyone that visits the sponsors winds up getting... Uh, so it's kind of a, a, a deal caster of itself. It's like, hey, right. here's the deal. If you visit our sponsors, you give them love. We're gonna, we're gonna give you. Pretty much are like eighty percent guaranteed to win a prize. It was incredible when I went in March. It was my first Podfest, um, and I won't. I could talk for an hour about everything that I that I learned there. One of the things was the sense of community, um, which I was, you know, I'd heard about, but really had a chance to experience uh, there. But th- what you're saying was. We got to the end and, you know, a, a lot of my friends like Audrey Bell Kearney and Mark Deal and, and these people, we were all just sort of sitting in, in that area. And when you started doing the prizing and I looked into the back of the room and I saw these tables and tables <laughs> and tables of gear and just, just like person after person, I was like, man, if you don't get something like, you know, it, it, it was, it was just so easy to just go in, support the sponsor, just, you know, check off, you know, go through the expo and, and do that and end up with something really cool that you get to take home. It was a, uh, it was a great experience. And, for sure. and Chris, uh, would you also say that you kind of your start ugly book? I, I mean, that even really kind of ties in to how you started what's now this world record event, right? I mean, you started this business association, you know, you talk about that in the book that you just kind of went in with it. You, I mean, you had a plan. It's like you say in the book, you got to have a plan and it wasn't about perfection. And, and I, I thought it was kind of funny because, you know, I'm actually a member of an American Legion. It's like you had all these people left these papers on the chair and you were going to throw them out. And they said, wait a minute, people actually filled them out. 
And uh, yeah, the story you're talking about it, I have to share this because I've done um, on my bio, I put that I've done over 2000 events. So a friend of mine who knows me well, and you guys have seen me like just I travel around the country all the time. But like when I say events, events I put on, not that I go speak at. My buddy goes, I've done the numbers. You must have done more than 2000. And we did the numbers. It's close to 3000, but it sounds so obnoxious. We just don't list them anymore. So I was like, listen, let's just keep it at 2000. You and I know it's well over 2000. Uh, but my first event, this is the, and Jim, this is what you're talking about. So I was doing a local TV show in Tampa and Mr. Diaz, who was a legion, he had, he was like the, in charge of the American Legion locally. He was the guy in charge of the, making sure it was okay for everybody. He goes, why don't you have your event at my place? I go, how much? He goes, 300 bucks. I'm thinking price is right, right? Let's have it at the American yeah. Legion. And it's a business, it was a business group for owners of companies, uh, small business owners. And it was in June in, in Tampa and the air condition, this place busted. And, you, you know, I mean, if, I think it was June or July. It felt like July, but either, either June is hot. It was like 100 degrees plus the humidity. So now everybody's showing up and the Legionnaires the night before smoke cigars. That's what they do. Like, uh, I think I had, my event was on a Saturday or something. On Friday night, they were smoking cigars. So when I tell you it stunk to high heaven, it was it was gross. <laughs> so now and now I've told everybody, please wear your, your, your Sunday best. Everybody's wearing suits and stuff. Right. And in Florida in the in the wintertime, I'm summertime, people in general don't wear suits like they do in the colder cities, only because it's so hot. You just don't wear suits. So now, you know, a friend of mine is like, you got to tell them to dress up well. And then I had five slides. I did the slides. I'm defeated at this point because I'm like, holy crap. Like, you know, it's everybody's shirts are melted. I brought them all into this nasty smoke filled place. But they saw my they saw the love I had for the community, what I wanted to do. And Jim, like you said, I was about to throw all these. I, back then, I put pieces of paper and you put your credit card information on the paper. I know it sounds like so old school, but it's not that long ago. And um, that's when my friend Barbara was like, what are you doing? I go, I'm throwing out the thing. No one filled it out. She goes, no, no, no. Every fifth uh, paper has like someone's credit card information. And I was like, holy crap. I was, and I had 20 of them and I started my group. But it was uh, it, that was definitely, that's what I call start ugly. Now, if I said next month, we're at back at the American Legion. Now that's a problem. But I transitioned into a hotel. Because someone at that meeting said, why don't you have it at the local hotel? And I'm like, I, I can only afford three, four hundred bucks. So they'll give it to you locally if you have a 30 day window. And that's what happened. So I got better as now. I, I mean, you've seen where I'm at, but I've gotten better. But it's a lot of iterations to get to that level of learning every time I, I stepped out. So thank you for reminding me of that, Jim. <laughs> so that was a, a sweet and bittersweet memory for sure. Well, it just it, to me, it's what helps inspire all of us to say, look, you know, because we, we all, it's it's funny when people see where you are today, Chris. They don't realize where you've come from, right? Like we all have to start, or you know, start ugly. I mean, uh, you know, Chris Stone helped me, and and Christian, you know, I had read your book, and we're ready to go. And we kept making these excuses, and Chris is like, "Dude, you guys just got to put that podcast out there and get it going." And you know, we're starting like, to get some traction, but you know, too many people get all wrapped up, you know, kind of talking about like the lumber company into this perfection. And that nothing can change, and it's got to be exactly this, or it's not going to work. And we keep ourselves from success by getting that into that perfection mindset. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, 100%. These guys, uh, Chris, these guys. I th- what did you have like uh, eleven podcasts recorded, and you hadn't put you had to, you didn't put out a pot, you didn't release it. I was like, what are you doing this for? Are you just you know, what's the point? Yeah, the uh, Rob Walsh has an interesting stat because a lot of strategists are like, hey, get 10, 20 in the bank. He says the shows that just start with one actually last longer than the people that are banking the ones in the thing. 
And I think it goes by the people banking 2030 shows are so worried about um, the release and they have so much pressure. Whereas the person that's just like, I'll just put one show, see how it goes. They build momentum because they haven't put all that pressure on them. So that's behind the scenes. They've said that they've seen uh, a difference. So it's interesting to hear that, you know. Uh, Jim, you did mention, so this summertime, we decided to set a Guinness World Record. And it was kind of a start ugly moment for me because quite honestly, um, we did a pre-week event. And the reason is I didn't know how to use the technology. So the pre-week was for me to literally start ugly pre-week before the main week. So imagine like you really don't know how to use the technology till the week before you're actually going to do it. And that's kind of our philosophy. And the kid helping me out, he's not a kid, he's, he's a man, but I'm, I'm a bit older. Uh, but he's bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, but you need that around you. And he's like, he goes to me, this is like trying to build a plane in midair. And <laughs> I didn't realize we were moving that fast when he said that. But we had five weeks. We gave ourselves five weeks to set a Guinness World Record. And what people don't realize is when you're talking to active podcasters, creators, there's not a lot of them. There's about uh, 330,000 of them globally. That, that, and then of that group, how many of them identify with them being podcasters? Because half of them just do whatever their subject matter is, they put it out. So to get 5,000 individuals was quite a feat. And we were able, we broke the record by three. We just got, uh, we got the official certification about a week ago. It was one of the coolest, hardest, most rewarding things we've ever done. And I, I believe March next year, we're going to go for it again. We're going to try and uh, set the record out of reach for anyone. So we're going to, as a community, we're going to come back and just set the record out of reach. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's a testament to the community that you've put together, man. I mentioned it earlier, but the support system behind that, I, I believe, Chris, like if you said 24 hours from now, I want to do another world record, you would have a, tr a huge tribe of people that would, that would support you on it just because of you know, what you've done and what you've given back to everyone. So yeah. And Chris, I congratulations. Think, thank you. Thank you both. That's one thing I would say too, that I really admire about, uh, about the other Chris, not the Chris Stone, but I admire as well with you, Chris Stone, but you are such a giver. I mean, I've seen that as, as I've gotten to know you and see what you do. You're so always helping others. And I think that is what, you know, feeds into this growth of this. And it is truly a community. And uh, the moment I see the intro that you guys prepared, it tells me that you are not just showing up in your underwear because the moment I see that, and I'm being dead serious, there's people that, uh, well, we don't know that for a fact, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> At least you're dressed. Don't, don't stand up, Jim. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when we had to transition, because uh, we do the Florida Podcast Association once a month, and we had to transition to Zooms, part of my caveat was like, please show show up with clothes on. <laughs> I didn't care how you just, just have something on. Right. But um, the, the truth is, when I see that B-roll package of your intro, Okay. I understand that you've put some effort into it. And a lot of, here's what I'll tell you. And it's very simple. A lot of people will say, I, I don't know what I need to do. Well, first thing, if we're talking about podcasts, there's one very simple thing. Your download numbers tell us if you're increasing or decreasing. So that is a metric you want to watch. Two, are, are you on topic? Is your show named properly? A lot of people will choose names no one can research. They can't find it. This show is appropriately named Dealcasters. It's very specific and they stick to the theme of a Dealcaster. So how are you naming your show? Is it congruent with the content that you're providing? Are you doing any marketing? Are you doing any social media? Are you doing any paid marketing? Uh, and then the, the last thing is, uh, 
who are you asking for feedback? So for instance, I would pay someone like a Dave Jackson from School of Podcasting to give me objective feedback. Dave will. Okay. But are you listening? Most people don't listen. You guys uh, know this better than anyone because you've been around the block or two. Most people ask for feedback because they want a pat on the back. So I always ask, what kind of feedback do you want? Do you want me to say you're doing a great job? And you need, some people need a that, That's fine. But if you're asking me for like real feedback where I have to now re-listen to the show and give you point by point what can be done better, that's strategic advice. And usually you go to a professional. I would say Dave Jackson is, is the best for that. Invest in it and then listen to the, you know, listen to the feedback. You don't have to listen to all of it, but there's always going to be things in there. You're like, uh, I heard about that or someone left me a comment about that. Well, if you're hearing it twice, I'll give you guys an example. Early on, there was a meditation feedback, uh, meditation podcaster, and she was a fan of John Lee Dumas. And John Lee Dumas starts his episodes, episode number one of whatever. He like announces the episodes and she was doing the same thing. And I said, hey, no offense, but. I don't know anyone listening to a guided meditation that needs you announcing the episode number because it's not something that's sequential. It's evergreen content. Sounds like basic. Person's like, no, I'm going to do it that way. So now I know that this person doesn't really care about the audience. They care about what they're putting out there. Luckily for them, they were early adapters. They got a huge audience because they're in a niche that a lot of people needed the content. But you know, that's someone that doesn't care. They're going to do it their way. Well, you can't help that person. They're not looking. And you guys know this in the book our main character have to had to have a come to Jesus moment to accept mm-hmm. feedback. And that is the problem with most of us, all of us we're thick headed up to a point until we are ready to listen. Right. It was the guy with a guy that, uh, the, was, a, that ended up drowning because everybody was warning him over and over and over again, and then went to heaven. And God was basically <laughs> like, look, I, I gave you that. all of these warnings. I gave you three, I gave you three shots of saving you. You know, it's like, it's one thing to have the faith, but you got to do that. So yeah, that was, uh, that was another great part of the book for sure, man. And uh, yeah, to your point, I think, you know, a lot of people when they're asking for feedback, it's, do you want to get better? Because if you want to get better, you've got to be open to feedback. You've got to have a little tough skin and you've got to be able to, whoever you're speaking to, you know, take it for what it's worth. But if I, I can't imagine if you gave someone their opinion or somebody like a Dave Jackson or a Matthew Passy or all these people that are professionals that have been doing it for years, you know, sort of auditing podcasts and, and helping and consulting and, and helping further. It's like, man, be open to, to what people have to say. And to your point, what a lot of podcasters don't, don't do is identify that or their ideal listener and speak to that person and give to that person. And then everything else comes, you know, don't show up and start talking about yourself when no one knows who you are. There's a lot of fundamentals there. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've been very fortunate and blessed. I, as you know, I come to Atlanta, I speak all over the country, but literally I have corporations pay me a lot of money for, I do power days. I don't do. And then if someone wants my hour, I do an hour, but very rarely I, I, I contribute one day out of my month to do consulting. I don't really enjoy it, to be honest with you. Uh, I like I enjoy helping people in the podcast community for free, actually, more. Um, for whatever reason, it's just easier. I love it. They're part of my community. But when I deal with big corporations and they're paying me five or six grand for the power day, um, they're paying for the information, but also I look at that as respect that they'll listen to what I tell them. And uh, we've had really amazing successes uh, supporting them. And honestly, the only reason I do it, I feel bad for them because they'll get someone that just started a podcast to consult them. Meanwhile, I see thousands of case studies across spectrum from B2B podcasters to ambient voice technology. I'm looking at 
I could tell you the paid metrics of how to acquire a listener. Right now, it's $5 per listener. If you're to pay, acquire used to be $2. It doubled. It's going to go up even more because listeners are worth a lot more than that. But I I could tell you all these things that, you know, might be a guy with a hat and a t-shirt, but I'm someone that in the industry that has spent seven or 10 years um, having fun, but I'm not like, I'm, I'm behind the scenes paying attention to everything I see. So like the, the thing people have to understand is understand who you're talking to and understand what they're telling you because you might not even recognize the messenger because in the podcasting space, we don't wear suits. Mm-hmm. So you might, you might be conditioned to listen to some consultant in a suit, which is okay. Consultants are great, but it might not be the person that you need to get the consulting advice from. And I would tell people, be careful taking advice from family. You know, like family loves you and they just want you to be happy. So they might not give you the constructive feedback that you need. You know, unless someone in your, like, for instance, I do strategy. It took my wife a long time to ask me for help. Well, when she did, we we're able to put down the strategies in our podcast and she's literally tripled in her downloads. But sometimes when, you know, you guys know how it is, like spouses, whatever, you, you got to be careful on that because there's different uh, uh, things that are going on. <laughs> So that's true. Your podcast is your baby. You can kind of take stuff personally, you know, and uh, yeah, family can be sometimes the other way too, you know, maybe, maybe too, um, you know, detrimental and, and could, you know, kind of maybe. It could go a lot of different ways. It could go a lot of different ways. So the, the key though, is to have an open mind. Audio is, is growing. We're not at the, um, now that Amazon, like, think about it. Amazon just came on board. So to say like, we're still at the tip of the iceberg. It's still going to go through the roof. Oh yeah, and and I love I love how you actually say because it kind of fits in with your book cover, right? Don't judge a book by its cover. It's the same thing, right? I, I think a lot of us like I I almost am terrified of having to wear coats and ties anymore. I mean, this is you know I usually wear a polo shirt. I would almost prefer to wear jeans as opposed to slacks, but I get it. You know, there's still people kind of stuck in that mindset. But you know, uh, or I don't know if you guys have ever done it. You walk into like a a car dealership completely underdressed because you want to see how they treat you. They have no idea what you have, you know, as far as, as uh, funding goes. I think that's a great point, Chris. Well, well, well Jim, for, for you and Chris, I'll give you guys this example. And this is why everybody in our community is treated equally. I'm talking about from the speakers to the sponsors to the attendees. I think all three of us have a lot of value out in the marketplace. Imagine if you came to my conference and we were too busy for you. Uh, so a lot of conferences, what they tend to do is they cater to their speakers and the speakers become superstars. What I've learned is the community has, you never know who's in your community first off. Uh, from a human level, I believe we're all equal, right? Like we're all human beings walking the planet. We all have different gifts, right? I think we'd all agree on that. But what I realized was like, we have just as much talent in the community as on stage. So now what happens, and I think you've seen this, our community teaches the stage. So there's no like, it's all fluid. Like even the sponsors, everybody integrates. And, and it's because of my, I would go to these events and I would say up to the speaker, hey, I have an opportunity. Meanwhile, they don't know I have a full running promotional company. And they would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll talk to you later. And they'd walk off. And I'm like, well, that's, um, wasn't the speaker's fault. I want to be very clear. That was the promotional's fault uh, for not telling the speaker that we're all one big organism here helping each other. So they made they elevated the speaker so high that they they wouldn't interact. So I do believe that we're all that's what the community of Podfest is really about. And I know people here say it, but you'd have to come to experience it. It's very yeah. unique. Yeah, and I think what that spurs is is creativity in the podcasting community. I was you know I I came from the music business where it's highly competitive. It's highly competitive 
from labels. It's highly competitive from artists. It's, it's super competitive. In this space, I, I, at first, I was very shocked about how no one treats anyone else like their competition, even if they're speaking generally about the same thing, because it's like, well, my voice is my voice. Your voice is your voice. My voice may not be for everyone. Your, my, your voice may be for someone else. So how can we work together, maybe? How can we sort of, you know, the, the rising tide and the ships and that whole thing? And that really was an eye-opener for me. And I think being at PodFest really kind of catapulted that for me and being able to witness that in person. I guess it was the last conference in person, right? It um, was the last uh, conference of its size in Orlando, period, and probably... Yeah. Well, and I and I will tell you too, Chris, as you know, because I am, am new to the podcast world in the sense of having a podcast, but being someone that live stream and then going to even though it was a virtual event, but just the the feel of community from the get go with with Podfest was just amazing to me because I've been a part of this social media community and, and you see more of this kind of like competitive nature at times and not everybody truly trying to help each other out. I mean, not to say there's a lot of folks that do help each other, but I just was uh, just really amazed at how much these people just genuinely care about each other. Because nobody, it's like you said, everyone has a different voice. It's not like, well, I only want people to listen to my podcast, so I'm going to trash this other person. There's none of that at all. Well, part of that, um, I go to a lot of these conferences. Unfortunately, it's it's pretty much uh, par for the course, what you're saying, what we don't want. <laughs> um, YouTube conferences, especially are ruthless because they could... Um, and that's why you see a lot of the younger generation, they have a lot of cyberbullying issues. So YouTubers can see each other's subscriber numbers. So what happens is very much like the music business. It's like who's got a record deal and who's making money. Mm-hmm. Um, they bully each other. So not only do they forget about the bullying, but they treat each other differently, like on a cast system based on you're a million subber. That's a subscriber. 100,000 subber, half a million. So, um, and you, what you guys do with streaming, the way I look at um, PodFest, we also own VidFest. We want to bring a creative village. Think of like the Olympic village where we could bring all the streamers, the podcasters, the YouTubers under one roof where we could treat them all with respect and dignity. And then they could conform to the overall culture of our community, which is uh, being kind to one another and helping each other and rising tide in abundance. Unfortunately, I've gone to a lot of these conferences. It becomes a ego fest. And uh, the key part is we have to always establish we're here to support each other. And I was surprised, both of you, I will tell you this, for PodFest Global, that's the virtual event where we had over 5,000 attendees. I was shocked to see how that feel of the live event actually carried over into the virtual. And people said they loved it as much as a live event. We weren't expecting that feedback. Um, And we got it across. And what happened was people, we had 167. So we used this app called Whova. So we had 167 meetups that the community generated with 3,884 people attending that we had nothing to do with. That's the community supporting each other. And, you know, it was, it was kind of insane uh, what happened. And we're excited to do another PodFest Global next year and bring it right together. Well, Chris, this has been, this has been amazing. Get start ugly. Um, I don't know what you're waiting for. This is a... Would you say 45 minute read, Chris? That's if you're slow. It's uh, if you're a quick reader. It's, well, it depends. There's a lot of good stuff in here, but uh, I got to sh- gotta share with you guys. This. When you get the book, page 91. So this is when I did my first draft and I send it into a friend. This is what I received from my friend. She, this is a critique. It says first comma, 
please know that I love you. You know, in the first sentence of someone's feedback is that it's about, <laughs> it's going to, the, you know, the hammer's about to drop, but this is not good. <laughs> Second sentence. This is page 91, first paragraph. It says, on the plus side, comma, you have that starting ugly thing, in quotes, down, which gives you something to work with. <laughs> and that's a friend of mine that literally, for a living, she reviews books and stuff. And she was right. At the time, the book was okay. I had the main character, like, dying off. She's like, you can't do that. You got to give us redemption. Hero's journey. Haven't you heard of that? And I said... No, he becomes an alcoholic. He loses everything. That's the real story. She goes, that's not going to help any of us. <laughs> so at the time, I was like, you know what? That's a very good point. So I, I really, I, I thank her. I put it in there because I love her. Because if she didn't have the guts or the balls to say, hey, man, this is not a good draft. Like, the story needs work. I wouldn't have this masterpiece that I have now if she didn't give me the honest feedback. So we rewrote it a bunch of times till I was happy. And she loved it. And then we published it. And the other thing is don't let anyone else kind of tell you what to do. As far as I got a lot of feedback from people, you should make it a business book with business equation. I said, nah, I just want to create a story. I'll create a one page with business. Like there's a seven step process, but that's about it. After that, let everybody else discover how they want to start ugly. Uh, and I don't want to tell them exactly what to do. That's up to them. I had a martial artist teach me once in life, you got to functionalize your art form. And this guy was a crippled he was a crippled martial artist. He basically one leg was six inches uh, difference in the other leg. And he had spinal bifida, had everything grown up. And he wound up uh, training like five or 10, like grand mat, like the, some of the top martial artists in Lakeland, Florida, with no air condition in the middle of Florida. And he always said, he goes, most people don't know how to functionalize their art. And I said, what does that mean? He goes, you need to know first who you are. And then you need to take whatever that art form is. And you got to functionalize it to you because most people copy. And that's why they never get anywhere because we could, we could sense that blueprint or that thing. He goes, you got to functionalize your art form. So for me, functionalizing my art is my events are my art form. And we do it differently because I don't, I want to listen to the audience and create something together. So when you guys are talk about, it's all about the community. It is because the community says, Hey, can we do this? Let's do it. So I appreciate you guys for having me on this amazing show. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear the presentation on how to how to get the most out of Amazon. I think that's going to be amazing. But I appreciate you guys uh, sharing the stage with me and and having me on the show. Well, thank you, Chris. And Chris, what's the best way for people to say connect with you, or you know, even if they want are interested in Podfest and like you mentioned, you got some other things coming up, Vidfest, and which I'm excited about. As well. Yeah, Podfest Expo or vidfestexpo.com. And then if you want to just reach out to me directly, chriskremitzos.com. And I'm on every social platform. Send me a message. Uh, the key thing, though, is if you could make it out to our events, it, forget about the content. The people, honestly, that we have are just amazing. The people you could meet, make friendships with. Uh, I get it that the content draws you out, but it's the community that'll keep you staying there. So that's what's really unique. Hundred percent, awesome. Chris. Thanks so much for your transparency, your vulnerability, and of course, you know, being such a important part of the podcast space and the community. And man, just for sharing your time with us today, man, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me on Dealcasters, man. Get your yeah. deals now. We got we we gave away some good ones for you guys to Hi. get. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dealcasters. Congratulations, you've taken another step forward in your content creation journey. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe or follow button here 
in your favorite podcast player so you can be reminded every time we drop an episode. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. And if you're wanting to watch our shows live on Amazon, feel free to follow DealCasters Live as well at DealCasters.Live. Follow us on Twitter or subscribe to our YouTube channel where we also included added content that you cannot find anywhere else. If you have questions about this episode or have something you want us to review, you can also email us at dealcasters at dealcasters.live. Thanks again for listening. And you know the deal. Don't fear the gear.